Grab your Bibles really quick. I, I need to get right into this. Open to Matthew chapter 18. About half of y'all sleep over here tonight, so y'all got to wake up. Matthew chapter 18. Here we go. Okay, so here we go. I just saw some old fellow in the back go poke his wife and go, why they do that? Anyway. Now, I want you to listen to the word I'm about to share because Monday I was driving home from the airport or driving home because I spoke in Tennessee last weekend, saw an incredible move of God, talked about you guys, talked about what God is doing here. And, but I was driving home on Monday and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit told me what I was to share. It's not what I had planned. Aubie wasn't prepared for it. I had to get her prepared. I had to make sure she had everything for the PowerPoint and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I went back and forth with our office to make sure they got everything. And, and let me tell you something. What I'm about to share is probably not a message a normal person, which I've never claimed to be that guy, would, would share in the midst of, a, of an outpouring of God. But how many of you know the upper room just didn't happen? How many of you know it would have been real easy for everybody to look over at Peter when he got up to preach on the day of Pentecost and say, Hey, Peter, <laughs> 43 days ago. You cussed. Remember that? They didn't do that. Instead, he stood up and thousands got saved. And the Bible says when they were in all one mind and one accord, something happened. Now, you've heard me say it. The true revival is when God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented that he shows up. I, I believe that with all my heart. It's the church getting back to normal. And what you have to understand is I begin to bring this word. I must share a message on the power of friendship. And the title of this is where two or more are gathered. And some of you sitting in this room, and I want you, listen, in fact, I want you to do this. I want you to look straight ahead tonight. Do not look at, don't, don't, be, don't be like, when I say stuff, don't be. You know what, I'm, I do it to Karen. Somebody's preaching good. I'm like. It's like he's been watching you, hasn't it? Mm. <laughs> so I want you to look focused tonight. Don't look at your spouse till it's time. And do not jab them. Sometimes I walk away with bruised ribs after service. Sharing a message titled, Where Two or More Are Gathered. And here's the thing that is missing in the body of Christ across America. And I travel every single week. And in fact, in the month of September alone, I think it's going to be uh, roughly traveling 40,000 miles. And what you have to realize is this word God began to speak to me. And he said, son, I want you to share this tonight. Because you've been asking for God to break through. And I'm going to be talking about supernatural encounters next week. What happens when the Holy Spirit walks up to you? When He walks by you? We're going to deal with all that next week. In the last two weeks, we talked about the Holy Spirit last week. Many got filled with the Spirit last week. We talked about protecting the presence the week before. But I must talk about relationships. I must talk about the power of friendship. If you get a hold of this, this will change this very house. You want this place to be a safe place. You want this to be a place, a light to the city. You want people to come here, but understand something. And I've said before, God will not stick healthy babies in a sick incubator. Now, what I love about Pastor Paul, who's what, who is literally, besides my wife and my son and my father and my little girl, my best friend in the world. But he has said nothing about what's going on in this house. He protects the anointing. So it's not like we've been talking. But we did share dessert today. 
for the second time. And I'm going to be honest, it got easier. I'm just saying. But the Bible is all about relationships. And here's the problem, because I speak in some incredible outpouring places, but the problem is we don't talk about what the, 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 the true ingredient wasn't just the fact that those disciples had nothing left when they got to that upper room. It wasn't just the fact that many would lose their lives for Christ. It wasn't the fact that, that they were living in a new dispensation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They would not be left as an orphan. We've talked about that. It was they, they, they made up their mind to lay down their agendas. They left their past church synagogue uh, hurts behind them. And they got up there and they just began to do this thing called trust. And they said, we're in this thing together. We are a militia. We're 120 revolutionists. And we've come together and it's us against the whole world, but we've got a mission we must go on. So if you really want an outpouring of God in this church, you must listen to this word. And I promise you, some of you are going to sleep better than you've ever slept tonight. I promise you, over the next few days, it's going to change everything. Watch. Because the Bible is about relationships. It's, it talks about Paul and Timothy, Ruth and Naomi, Elijah and Elisha, Peter, James and John, David's mighty men, David and Jonathan. It's all through the Bible. Why? Because God does not want you to do this journey alone. There's been key times in my life over the last decade where I can tell you, your pastor at one point drove a long ways to meet me to help defend me in a situation. I can tell you, I can take you to the moment. Five years ago, sitting on the bed of my truck watching my son practice junior high football with an associate of our ministry, we're sitting there and on one afternoon, I stopped and I said, dude, Go turn the radio on. Something terrible has just happened. Something bad has just taken place just now. And it was the exact moment he had his accident. It's brotherhood. It's covenant. It's not contractual. It's not whether or not you brag on me. You tell me I look good. It's not whether or not you call me every five minutes and make sure we're okay together. I'm talking about something called friendship. My father understood it because he grew up in the gangs of Detroit. And he taught me growing up. He said, son, whatever you do, guard friendships. It's all you've got. Matthew, the 18th chapter, looking at verse 18, it says this, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two, if just two of you on earth agree upon anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together, Jesus is standing in the sanctuary. What does Mark chapter 6 say? Look at how Jesus called the disciples. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two. Gave them authority over evil spirits. There's something about the power of agreement. He did the same thing in Luke chapter 10 verse 1. When he sent out the 70, it was two by two. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A quarter of three, that's talking about mom, dad, and their kids together. A quarter of three strands is not quickly broken. Psalms 34, what does it say? Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. The power 
of agreement. If you get a hold of this and you start visiting that prayer room for a few minutes before service and you'll grab somebody by the hand and something you have no idea what was described by Lisa where something walks up. I'm going to prove to you that in the midst of your conversations, God chooses to either be a part of it or walk away from it. Listen, folks, I have thousands of acquaintances. In fact, I have 4,700 friends on Facebook and I know none of them. I know some of them. But I have friends. And there's a big difference. What you've got to understand, God is all about two by two. He even did it on the ark. Why? Because it would have been awkward for a giraffe and elephant to mate. Gave you a little word picture there. He said, Mr. and Mrs. Elephant. Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe. Anyway, I'm moving on. I've had a lot of friendships in my life, but then I met my wife. My best friend. And I knew I wanted to get to know her, and I could tell she wanted to get to know a brother. I could see it. I can remember growing up and friends throughout life. I remember my best friend. We lived in East L.A., East Lower Alabama. <laughs> and my dad pastored this little redneck church. And my best friend was black. And we showed up at this little redneck church and he started coming to church with me. His dad owned the local bar in a place called Luverne, Alabama. And I can remember this church had gone through pastor after pastor after pastor. And they finally came up to my dad, not realizing my my dad was from Detroit and we were not taught the color of skin. Because the only color that matters is the color red. And all of a sudden they said he is not allowed to come to this church. He went to drink. My best friend Johnny went to drink out of a water fountain. And this old geezer stopped him and said, not this water fountain. My dad walked up and said, don't ever speak to this young man again. This is my son's best friend. Over a period of time, they met with my dad, this board of deacons or demons, and they they met with him and (laughs) they said, we don't want him here. My dad said, well, look, here's the deal. The district's already told me that if I leave, they're shutting you down because you run every pastor off. So dad decided, they decided they'd let dad stay. My friend stayed. Johnny did. They fell in love with Johnny and he broke down that demonic racial thing. We moved on. We moved on, but Johnny stayed there. And then they put Johnny through Auburn University, that little church did. And he became a lawyer for the Olympic Association. All because two boys didn't see color. You ain't excited yet. We're going to get excited because I want to look at this thing called friendship. I want to look at this thing called the power of coming together. I want you to understand if you if you get a hold of this, you'll be the healthiest church in this city. But I need to warn you, spirits begat spirits. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What are you talking about? There is, there, the problem is some people never need to become friends. It can be catastrophic to families, marriages, churches. I'm going to talk about insecure people in a moment and the feeding of the monster. How many times did my mom used to say to me, you're not hanging out with them? 
She could detect something in people. Now that you become a believer, mom doesn't say it, dad does. I don't need you to hang out with them. I don't need you to go get a drink with them after work. And I'm going to talk about the power of a godly friendship. Write this down. And again, I'm teaching tonight, not so much preaching, but godly life journey principles for friendship. Let me give you some principles very quick for friendship. Pat, I thought we're having revival for five five weeks. Get this. The fact of the matter is that most people truly have no idea what a friendship means. In fact, I think so many have never been taught some rules and regulations, some precepts for friendships. So let me give you some precepts and we'll move on. A true friend always desires to see the other friend prosper. A friend doesn't join another friend's folly. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 23. He will die for lack of discipline led astray by his own great folly. A true friend always watches out for the good of their friend. A friend is never chosen by personality alone, but also according to God's purpose. Because what does it say in Romans eight twenty-eight? And we know that in all things it works to the good. Of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. That word purpose means to be put on public display. I said to the Lord, I was flying here. And I'm studying this sermon for about three hours on the plane. And I'm just studying and I'm praying. Why are you having me do this? He said, it's the next level. A friend never gets in the way of another friend's relationship with Christ. Hebrews 10 verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. According toward love and good deeds. A a friend understands boundaries and conviction. A friend always allows their friends to make mistakes. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says this. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. What else? Let me give you some more precepts and we'll move on. A true friend always looks for a way to restore a fallen friend. See, I've had some pretty... Big name national people that I'm close to that have messed up good. And first thing I say to them is get on the plane. Come stay at my house for a couple days. Because I want to throw a rope and not throw stones. Because every one of us are 15 minutes from falling if we don't stay pure. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Let me go on. A friend, uh, uh, Ecclesiastes 4, 10, that's it. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the guy that nobody wants to help up. A friend understands how to keep a confidence. A friend understands the importance of the circle being widened. Have you ever met those people that can only have one friend? A friend understands the trust factor of friendship. A friend has no agenda. A friend dreams for their friend. A friend always loves enough to be honest. A friend stays clear of the off-limits area. A friend knows how to perform CPR on another friend. I'll never forget, I've got a buddy named Jason. He pastors in Nashville. Karen and I were getting on a plane. We had been appointed to the National Youth Commission uh, by the White House. And we had an opportunity. We were going to spend an hour with President Bush and Laura Bush. And we were going to get on the plane the next morning, and my friend woke up that early that morning only to find his child dead. And I had a choice. Go hang out with the president or go be a friend. I went and be, uh, uh, we went and we were friends. Never got invited again. Lost money on my plane tickets. 
But see, you got to understand what I'm talking about. Job 16, verse 20. My intercessor is my friend as my eyes pour out tears to God. On behalf of a man, he pleads with God as a man pleads for his friends. A friend knows how to give space. A friend never feeds the other friend's weakness or weaknesses. It's kind of like when Karen and I first got married, if we both got, mar- got mad at each other, we'd go shopping. <laughs> we would. I'll show you. Come on, let's go. Spend. We began to figure out we don't need to both get mad because we're getting in debt. <laughs> a friend understands love, or love, a love covers a multitude of sins. If a friend's in it for the long haul. See, I just wrote some things down. A, 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 a friend pushes the other friend to go deeper spiritually. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: as iron sharpens iron, so when one man sharpens another. That's why I love your men's conference. That's why in two weeks, your men's conference is such a big deal. Because I, I, I do men's conferences all over America, but the one that's here at the lighthouse, I've done it two or three times now. And, and I've never seen men so desperate. You don't want to miss that in two weeks because you've got to sharpen each other. There ought to be sparks flying all over this place. See, the older generation, they understood friendship because they knew what it was like to have to share food, to have to rebuild each other's barns, to live in a foxhole for a while with another man. Nevertheless, most older folks either have lots of friends or they don't have hardly any at all. Maybe they got burned somewhere along the way. Maybe somebody they were close to passed away. Maybe they just moved away and friendship doors of their heart closed. I, I know when my grandparents were getting older and before they died, they used to, everybody knew them, but nobody knew them. At the end, something happened. See, most of them have never been taught the power of a godly friendship. Psalms 119 verse 63. I'm a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. There are five at-risk groups that lack friendship. Let me hit those very quickly. I want to hurry because we're going to do something powerful at the end of this. Number one, it's married couples. I'm not talking about whether or not you have other married couple friends. I'm talking about are you best friends still? In two weeks, I will be here on my 20th anniversary. We're going to celebrate it the next week. But our, our 20, I've been married 20 years. And, 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 and how many of you know it doesn't get old? Just saying. Karen's my best friend. But I didn't understand that when I first got married. My my definition of friendship would have to change. And I believe that God brings two people together. And it's so powerful. And I I, I suddenly wasn't my own anymore. I actually had to report in. I suddenly had to be accountable. Ephesians 5.31 For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Most marriages have forgotten how to be friends. Crying together. We faced a dilemma when my son went off to college. Now, of course, we adopted Abby years ago, and she's seven years old now. But, man, I went through for the first two or three weeks. It was horrible. And finally, one night, Karen came to me and she said, I, 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 you're, you're having a tough time. 
And I said, because you won't play NCAA football with me on the PlayStation. She put her arms around me. I didn't really say that. I did later. I'm teaching my seven-year-old how to score right now. She said, you just take your time with this. But I, I've seen marriages fall apart. The number two, they, uh, most marriages fall apart either in the first two years or after the child graduates high school. What do we got to talk about now? Because somewhere along the way, you quit being best friends. You quit laughing together. You quit sharing secrets. And, and God wants you to, to gather. He wants you walking. Friendship is not just for your buddies. It's not just for your shopping partners. It's your girlfriends. It's, it's for your marriage. And, and when's the last time you went for a walk and just talked? Karen and I started running back in April every morning and it transformed our marriage because somewhere along the last three and a half years of pastoring a church and traveling the nations, we, we quit going deep. Especially when you do ministry together or business together, that's all you talk about. And suddenly we started jogging together and praying in the spirit together and it changed our marriage. We started having dreams. We would wake up and I'd say, I need to tell you what I dreamed last night. And she said, I dreamed the same thing. And we would begin to bind the enemy. Miracles would happen. The power of agreement would take place. Last Sunday morning in Tennessee, a few days ago, we needed a slight miracle in our ministry. And it's not a big church. They pack it out. They have to put chairs out. But it's a place I go. I don't ever decide where I'm going to go. I never ask the question, how big's your church? And I've been there before. And Karen came up with me to Tennessee. And, and, and it's packed. And God is moving. And they're getting ready to take the love offering. And, and I took her hand. And I said, I said, what do we need? And she told me... And, we went to agreement, can I tell you, to the penny at a much smaller church than we normally go to, to the penny. On that Sunday night when the pastor handed me the honorarium, he was gleaming. He said, I don't know what's happened. I'll tell you what happened. We came together and agreed. The power of agreement of a husband and wife changes things. One day we were sitting at Chili's and restaurant and this older couple, they were dressed sharp, but they, I don't know, they were about 400 years old and they're, they're sitting across from us and Karen and I start watching them. We like to watch people. I like to make fun of people. It's a gifting. And, and I, ta- I taught my son at a young age how to sit in the mall, how to endure shopping sprees, to sit there and make fun of people. And it's a gifting. And, and we even make up stories about him. Look, he's going in to rob that place. That mug just stole $5,000 out of the game. I mean, we just make up stories. It's fun. And, 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 but we're sitting at Chili's and Karen and I see this older couple and they sit down together. They order their food. And I mean, they, you could tell they've been married 50, 60 years and, and, um, they're sitting across from each other. They never spoke, but they were deeply in love because they just raised up. And then it's like they didn't have to talk no more. They just look up. They were like, ooh. I said, Karen, they are communicating via brain waves. <laughs> and they got done. And they go, that was good. And they got up and left. And I said, they never spoke, but they talked. <laughs> and I'm amazed. You better think your wife looks good and your husband looks good because y'all going to look alike in about 40 years. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how old people start looking just alike? You ugly. Have you looked in the mirror lately? 
I grew on you, baby. What's the number two group that's in trouble with friendship? The number two group, strong, successful leaders. Don't have very many friends. I have very close leader friends that are across America. One is, is a very wealthy businessman, but he has very few friends. He'll call me when he's in trouble. Many times it's because they believe they did what they did on their own. Or somebody wants something from them. They tend to hold people at arm's length. And what do you really want from me? Surely you have a motive. Psalms 55 verse 20 says, My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His speech is smooth as butter, yet wars in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. Psalms 41 verse 9, Even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Maybe they made wrong covenants in business because they weren't a giver or they didn't pray. And look what happens. Proverbs 17, 18. A man lacking in judgment strikes hands and pledge and puts security for his neighbor. The Bible says if you don't like judgment, you'll get in the wrong covenants. Proverbs 12, 26. A righteous man is cautious in friendship. But the way of the wicked leads him astray. What's the number three group that I've seen lacks friendships? Teenagers. Oh, we're going to get on that, ain't we? Because I've seen it destroy youth ministries. Most teens do not know how to be friends. More kids have dropped out of church. More kids are burning in hell right now because of something that happened in the youth ministry where they dropped out and they got offended because of being hurt in youth ministry. Gossip and hurts and wrongs. Premature relationships can get in the way of godly friendships. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 if you don't believe that. It's the single person's uh, chapter. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. Do not be yoked together with an unbeliever. Wait a minute, Pat. Wait a minute. Jesus, he ate with the sinners. I used that on my mom. He did. But he never asked them to go through the dark times with him. He didn't take them to the Mount of Transfiguration. He didn't take them into the garden. Because there's different levels of friendships and we don't teach a generation about this and they get themselves in trouble. It says, don't be yoked, yoked together with unbelievers. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? James chapter 4 verse 4 says it best. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? So, so what am I saying? I'm saying be careful. When it says don't be unequally yoked, it doesn't mean you just don't date somebody that's not saved. And I hear about that so much. And let me just tell you, I want to tell every young lady that's dating somebody that's not saved. That 95% of the time they're, asking, they're acting right now the best they're going to act. And it's not your job to be their missionary. What's the number four group that, gets, that, that, that has uh, uh, the toughest time uh, after teenage? Ministers! Most preachers do not have close friends. In fact, 70% do not. Why? Maybe they've been burned by people. Maybe somebody hurt them. Maybe they feel, well, nobody knows what they're going through. I would love to go to a minister's conference where everybody wasn't hiking their leg and marking their territory and, ha- and talking about how much they ran. Or, And I'm sorry, that was crude, but I, 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 I tried to get past it and... and I'd love to go to a minister's conference where people just walk in and go, okay, can, can, we, can we just get real? Our tithe is down. 
Hey, can we just get real? One of my favorite families just left because God told them. Can we, can we get real? I'm preaching, but I don't feel him. Can, can we get real? I don't like people right now. It's about fire. It's five days of fire, so hang on. I'm just going to move on. Matthew 26, 31, then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. The enemy's goal is to strike the shepherd. That's why you've got to protect the leaders. Okay, now here's number five, and this is, this is where we all focus. We focus, because it's number five, insecure people do not have friends. Do you like me? James chapter 4 verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Folks, you understand insecurity is a spirit of pride. And God hates it. Psalm 16 verse 5. Lord, you've assigned me my, uh, my portion and my cup. You've made my lot secure. What do you mean? I'm going to give you some points about insecure people. And, and we've all dealt with it. We're all insecure in some way, shape or the other. But the insecure person are more concerned most of the time with the superficial and the outward appearance. It's a constant feeding of the monster. Romans 7 verse 8, But sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of covenous desire. For apart from law, sin is dead. Insecure people are dangerous. They'll hurt you. They're jealous people. Most only have one friend. Insecure people cannot handle being disciplined. Insecure people have to capture the limelight. Insecure people either abuse the gifts of the Spirit or ignore them altogether. Insecure people have, ne- have learned to trust their own emotions and not the Holy Spirit. Insecure people never reach their full potential because it's all about the mirror and not the telescope. Insecure people will wear you out. Always sick. Always tired. Always narcissist. Reminded of yesterday, I went to eat lunch with my daughter. I do this on Tuesday because I'm flying here on Wednesday. So I'll go to eat lunch with her at school. And she's in second grade. And her best friend is our uh, Pastor Sean, who took over the Summit Church for me, who was my executive. Now he's in charge. They're best friends. They're in class together. And, and uh, it's amazing. They go to a, a large high school with 22 or 20 or so second grade classes. But they always end up together. And But right now they're walking through this incredible narcissist time. And, and, and I mean, it's crazy. It, it, they're... It's, it's about them, and that's normal. And uh, But it was so funny. I walked into the lunchroom yesterday, and all of a sudden, as I went walking into the lunchroom, Pastor Sean's daughter, her and Abby were getting ready. They, Abby knew I was coming. They get to move to a special table to eat with me. All of a sudden, she screams out, Look at me, Pastor Pat, and holds up her middle finger. <laughs> and everybody in the lunchroom looked. Lady walked by that's in charge lunchroom, patted me on the back. Hey, Pastor. <laughs> she was showing me that she had pinched her finger, her middle finger. Unbelievably perfect bird going up. <laughs> I can't even shoot a good bird. I won't either, but I, my, my finger got caught in a face mask in high school. It's like crooked. So if I shoot a bird, it's at the other person. And so, anyway. <laughs> 
Sorry. So she's got her mental values this finger. She's doing this to me. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, what'd you do? I'm trying to get to her. It's like, I pinched it in the desk today. Look at it, Pastor. And then immediately Abby goes, and my arm hurts. And I'm sitting there and I've said, I feel like I'm in a church meeting. People that narcissism is their favorite ice cream. You know what I'm talking about? Three scoops of me and, and just uh, a few sprinkles of I. It's all they can talk about. Not how are you doing, not what's going on. It will destroy a friendship. Let me tell you what happened to me today. Really? Why? Because insecure people force everyone around them to be slaves to their needs. Insecure people live their lives looking in that rearview mirror. Insecure people wait to be offended to justify the feelings they wake up with every morning. Insecure people cause their families to search for unhealthy security. I've seen it happen. Insecure people force others to live at a level of impossible reality. Insecure people always succumb to the tyranny of the urgent. Pastor! Insecure people always or usually have very few friends. Insecure people almost always walk with a clan of gossipers. Insecure people will monopolize your time. I learned after a period of time, there's certain people that I had armor bearers that I would just, if I saw them coming down that aisle, I'm like, you got that? I don't care. They would see me look at them and run. I'm like, Pastor Paul doesn't do that. Do you understand that insecurity is caused by a root of rejection? Something happened from conception to birth to getting older or whatever it might be. Something unwholesome in your life. Something through childhood, divorce, a loss of parent, I don't know, abuse. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know, favoritism. I don't understand, but Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, as those who love it will eat its fruit. Maybe you've been told you're stupid. Maybe you're told you're dumb. And you have carried that demonic thing into your life. And your children will be just like it. Listen to what I'm talking about. You know Jesus had every right to be insecure. You understand that, right? Why? Because from he, he faced rejection his whole life at birth he had the stigma of an unwed mom they didn't even have room in a stable for him what about his appearance i know some of you think jesus is good looking he's jim caviezel on the passion of christ but according to my bible jesus was not good looking what do you mean isaiah 53 verse 1 who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. He grew up before them like a tender shoot, like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that would we should desire. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, similar, similar with, uh, familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hid their faces. Growing up, his father disappeared after the age of 12. That's why on the road to Emmaus, he he appeared first to his uncle, Joseph's brother. Because at resurrection, he needed to let a family member know, hey, I'm alive. He didn't have a dad. What about his ministry? He was rejected by his own people, the Jewish people, the religious leaders. His own family didn't understand him. Disciples. And even God rejected him at the cross. But how was he able to avoid insecurity? He knew who his father was. When my little girl came up to me 
a few months ago, and she it was right before she got down with first grade, and she said, Daddy, I, I just, I know I'm different because I'm, I'm Chinese, and can I talk to you? And I said, sure, baby. And she said, do you think I'm ugly? And I took her into the bedroom and said, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Took her in our, into the master bedroom, and Karen and I carried it in there, and I stood her on the bed. She looked eye to eye at me. And I said, you're the most beautiful person ever created. I said, let's dance. We began to dance. She never said it to me again. I said, I don't ever want to hear that from you again. That's a lie from the enemy. You're beautiful. You see, you know why Jesus wasn't insecure? Because he knew who his father was. You know why Abby won't be insecure? Why she won't have to sit on another man's lap? Because she can sit on her daddy's lap. You know why? Because her daddy tells her she's beautiful. Why? So what I'm saying is insecure people don't know who their father is. What do you mean? Who, it says, uh, what did Jesus say in Matthew 11, 20 things, uh, 27? All things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father. No one knows the father except the son. And those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. Jesus knew who his father was. That's why before he ever did a single miracle. He taught, all of a sudden, he's standing in the middle of the water and his dad opens up and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he said, Peter, shut your mouth. Be quiet. My son is talking in whom I am well pleased. There is nothing like knowing your daddy is proud of you. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you... My son last night at 11 o'clock is trying to make a major decision about his life. And we talked for an hour and a half and we laughed and we prayed together and all of a sudden, he was okay. Why? Because there's something about knowing your daddy believes in you. Folks, are you getting this so far? Psalm 30 verse 6, it says this, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken, O Lord. When you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm, but when you hid your face, I was dismayed. What are you talking about? Write this down. I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. Everyone needs a friend. But Pat, I've been hurt. Get over it. Don't bring that junk in here. Every great leader needs a friend. Jesus taught, chose 12, yet he chose three of them to be closer to him. Not for any other reason, because they had major flaws. All three of them did, but he just liked hanging out with them. Proverbs twenty-two eleven: He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. That's why every day, God, give me pure heart, pure speech, and wisdom. That's what I pray every morning. I want to be the king's friend. Remember when David chose his staff? Look what it says in First Chronicles 27, 32. Jonathan, David's uncle, was a counselor. This is the last few mighty men David would choose. D- Jonathan, David's uncle, was a counselor, a man of insight and, and, and scribe. Jehiel, son of Hakmoni, took care of the king's son. First youth pastor in the Bible. Ahithophel was the king's counselor. Hushai, the archite, was the king's friend. Ahithophel, you know about him was succeeded by Jehoiada, son of Benaiah, and by Abiathar, or Beathar. Joab was the commander of the royal army. Why did I share that with you? Because you need to, you need to know something. Let's look at what their names mean. Look at their names. Jonathan, counselor, Jehovah is given. You've got to have somebody in your life that will look at you and say, God's given you this. He's a counselor. Jehiel, which means God lives, he was the tutor of David's sons. His whole job in life was to tell David's sons, God is alive. That's the role of a youth pastor. God lives. Got to tell a generation. Ahithophel, who would break David's heart and be a traitor, his name meant my brother is foolish. Every great leader has at least one Judas in their life. Jehoiada, who was his counselor, his name Yadah, which means Jehovah knows. You've got to have somebody in your life because he came up after Ahithophel who comes and joins your life and says God knows what you just went through. Then he had Hushai, which means to enjoy, be excited, and be hasty about activities of importance. It says he was the king's friend. 
David paid somebody to be his friend. He said, I want somebody that's going to be fun, that's going to laugh, and going to be excited about things that are important to me. And then Joab, the commander of the royal armies, you can't have somebody leading the army unless they're a father. Did you know even God has friends? And I'm getting ready to close. Even God has friends. Can you imagine being God's friend? What's up? What you doing? Did you see that call against the lions? Bogus. See that holding the Dallas game? Can you imagine being God's friend? Look what it says in James 2.23. Abraham believed God and he was credited to him as righteous and he was called God's friend. Let me get ready to close. Do you know that godly friendship can produce God's glory? Oh, I'm going to show you something. You preached on it years ago. Glory producers. Talked about the angels screaming to each other. I love this. I love this. This is why God moves so powerfully at youth camps. I love youth camps. I love it when junior hires are at youth camp because they'll be like waiting to get prayed for and they're just like looking around and when you get to them, they're like... They'll even give you a courtesy drop if you need that to happen. Look at Isaiah 6. Because my, my whole point with that was if, if, if older kids are crying out to God, they will. If older kids won't, they won't. It's glory producers. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. I'm going to go into this deeper next week. But, and the whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Smoke always represents glory. What are you talking about? It says the angels didn't speak to God. They were speaking to one another. They were telling each other. He's holy. And another angel would say, no, dude, you know what? I just saw him in a new way. He's holy. No, I just saw him like, and all throughout the place, they're screaming. They're shouting holy. They are responding to his presence. And when he walks through the door, the place starts shaking. Glory producers. It's what I taught you about the mercy seat the first Wednesday night. And that was that first Chronicles 13, five says he is enthroned between the two angels on the Ark of the Covenant. So in other words, he is enthroned above the praises of his people. As you praise, he gets in the middle of it. When you begin to say, nothing is impossible, you don't know what happened in the spirit. In a, in a nation that's been cursing him and damning him all day. In a world where in California they're starting charter schools that are a totally anti-God. They won't even allow establishment or the mention of God. In a nation that is trying to run him out the back door from, from the penthouse to the White House with humanism. When you begin to praise him, he stepped into this room. And I'll close with this. Pastor Kim, why don't you come? Do you understand when you spend with the time with a friend, God comes in? I'm going somewhere. Matthew 18, I read it to you earlier. And I'm going to go back to it in a moment. Where any two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. So when you spend time or fellowship with a friend and talk the things of God with a holy fear, do you know the Bible says he writes it down? Fellowship in the Greek means koinonia, and it means partnership joined together one by one. Look what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. Pastor Tim, come here just a second. Malachi 3, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. Now, I love this. Now, I want you to get this, church, because it's powerful. Go ahead. Uh, those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard, and a scroll of remembrance was written 
in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. I'm going to read it again. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. What does the Bible say in 1 John 1, 7? But if we, we walk in light as he is in light and we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Folks, do you understand? Have you ever been with a friend and you're like, oh, this happens to you, you and I almost every week, doesn't it? We'll cut up and we'll joke and then all of a sudden we'll start talking about something. And I'll go, man, do you feel God? I'm in my car in Alabama and he's in Phoenix. I go, yeah, man, I feel that. I'm trying to prove something to you. Karen and I, when we start running in the morning time, we spend the first couple of laps just talking. It's early, laughing about that morning or talking about business or whatever. Then I'll go, okay, baby, let's pray. The first lap I always lead. Second lap she leads. And then third lap we just start praying in the Holy Ghost together. And we can feel God. And it's amazing. I can see people stop and look at us. Not because we're being weird, because we're not praying loud. But the Bible says... When you and a friend get together and talk about the Lord, then God hears you and a book is written for those who fear the Lord. There is another book of the Bible that has not yet been seen. And it's you. Two angels. He's holy. No, dude, he's holy. No, he's holy. No, he's holier. No, I saw more holy. So the natural application of this is when you get together with a friend, you're not trying to do it. But the, why is it that when you start talking the things of the Lord, something changes in the atmosphere? So, Pastor Tim, one of my dearest friends in the whole wide world. But you know, I'm going to be honest with you. That Bill, you know Pastor Bill? You know what? He drives me. He gets on my nerves. You know what? He thinks he's all that. He always, always around him and he talks about the PC. The Mac is better than the PC. Yeah, I know. He's, it just I drives know. me nuts. I know. I, don't, I wish he'd get a life. I, me too. Well, and there's just days that Pastor Bill, I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, I think, he, I think he gossips. You know what? I was at Chick-fil-A before service getting a, a number yeah. one with a big ice Something tea. happened, huh? I was, God they, exposed him, didn't he? He and Shirley were there. Yes. They didn't even talk to me. They didn't. They, you know, I could see that happening. Did you see that? Oh, they did it to me. Yeah. I don't remember, but it did happen. I, I don't understand that. You know, I you had know, my Mac. I don't even with know me. why that Paul Owens guy's got him on, on his staff. That's all. He probably likes PCs too. Yeah. Yeah, Paul. That's that's all I can figure. But if we pray, he may get a MacBook. Yeah. Well, and I just think sometimes he thinks he's an athlete. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Wait a minute. Totally. Are we are we talking about the same Pastor Bill Jake? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Is he a Cowboys fan? He got too? lucky one day. It's all the I can say that. Is he a Cowboys fan too? You know what? I feel really guilty. He's my friend, and I like him too. I I'm trying to witness to him about a man. Yeah. I want to apologize to you. I I was out of line. I'm sorry. Because I love him, and. You know, God began to move this summer. We saw deaf ears open at a camp. You know, I talked to our youth pastor a couple weeks later, and I said, hey, what's happening with that girl? Because remember the hearing aid? She had the hearing aids? Yeah. And, I mean, she could start hearing. He said a couple weeks later, her parents were amazed. She's hearing for the first time since she was like two years old. Praise God. That's right camp. there at your camp. It was cool. 
I remember at that camp, Karen and I were standing there in the aisle, and the little girl with cerebral palsy began to try to get through that door. Karen just wept. She went to bed weeping that night. You know, Tim, I, I, I've met very few people that have a heart for a generation like you do, and that's why I love being with you. And, and I, I, earlier, I didn't feel God, but I feel Him right now between us. I feel His presence, and it's awesome. We got to push each other to go deeper, and and. I want you to know that I'm going to guard what I say. How many of you understand what just happened right here? Give these guys a hand. Would you do that? By the way, the story about the little girl was true. The story about Pastor Bill, most of it was not true. Stand up for a second. But don't move. Just stand. I I, I realize I took a little extra time tonight because I want to teach you. But My my last point that I would make, and we're going to close differently tonight. I know we've had Holy Ghost the last two weeks, and we're going to do that again. But tonight's going to be different. Jesus understands true friendship. Folks, He's my best friend. Last night I laid in that hotel where I'm staying at when I'm here I would tell you the name of but insecure people will call me and uh, sorry I'm just kidding stop but I'm praying for my son and it's late and he needs a miracle and I said God do something do you know and this has happened to me on many occasions but I felt God lay down beside me in the bed last night I got off the plane and I called Pastor Paul. I said, I don't feel good. I feel really sick. I said, but I woke up feeling perfect this morning. God touched my body. But Proverbs 18.24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. John 11, Lazarus is Jesus' dear friend. Our friend Lazarus has just fallen asleep, but I'm going to go wake him up. A friend wakes up a friend. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this. That he lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I, can, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not, his own, does, does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I'm telling you about. Isn't that cool? Jesus is the best friend I got. You want revival? You want outpouring? then it is time for this house to change the way you think. Matthew 18, 18, I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Again, I tell you that if just two of you people would get together and agree about anything you ask for, it's going to be done. Karen and I have bought into this. I mean, we just, oh, it's changed our marriage. Because we'll be out jogging and I'll say, hey, would you, would you agree with me for this? I think God wants to do this this next Wednesday night at Lighthouse. You don't even know it, how we have prayed every morning for you. Her and I locking hands as we run. Until we get real sweaty and it's awkward and we just... <laughs> 
Let's not, let's not hold our hands. We'll, we'll throw our words at each other. No. But see, this is what we do. We come racing in here on a service and you've not agreed with anybody. Do you know what would happen this Sunday morning? If you would walk in the door, men with men, ladies with ladies, or husbands and wives, and walk up somebody and say, Hey, Scott, man, I feel like pastor's got a word, but let's agree together right now, me and you, right now, for miracles today. If this happens this Sunday morning, bye-bye, Ruth. Do you know that when you're preaching and they say amen, we think it's like a religious or even a southern thing, but they don't understand. It's agreement. The word amen is so be it. And you, that's why it's so imperative that you make it draw off the anointing well that's up here. Man, I hate preaching at churches where they won't talk to me. Because when you say, that's right, pastor, you know what you're saying to him? Not only are you confirming the word in his spirit, but you're literally saying, we just agreed together. Bam! Whatever he just said just took place in the spirit. That's why my staff, I tell them, don't come to staff meeting unless you've been in agreement. Don't come in there. Because I mean, six pastors, I would say, you don't have an agenda. You're going to be in agreement with what I talk about. But at the same time, y'all get in agreement. Man, it changed our staff. God spoke to me Monday and He said, They're the only thing that will take this church. When you get up and you talk about what God is doing, how those families, I've seen them lined up and you're feeding them. When you walk in here and there's nobody excited with you about it. Oh, they're excited when it's a special Sunday to deal with it. But, being Don, I hope people walk up and go, tell me, tell me what somebody did when you handed them a loaf of bread this week. Just tell me, tell me, tell me. Because you know what it does to you? Agreement. Agreement. And I encourage you to do this. You, we've all got issues. We've all got wars we're in right now. I mean, we all got issues. Don't bring up the issue. I dare you for one solid week to do everything you can to not give one sentence about yourself. I'm being serious. God's done this to me. He's made me go, quit, quit talking about you. Ask them how they are. Ask them what's going on in their life. How can I serve you? When you stood up there tonight and you, your miracle that happened, you showed such unbelievable anointing when you said to Kim, Pastor Kim earlier but I believe I have to I'll, I'll share this because it's for Pat's son I'm like no oh, no no this is your thing you've been waiting on for a decade and I feel the Holy Ghost right now that God wants to number one help you get over somebody that hurts you number two if you're married in this room he wants to he just wants to make you best, best friends. Do stupid stuff together. This last Friday night, Karen and I just went to a park and we took Abby. But we just took pictures. I said, let's just go do something stupid. We just went through this big flower garden and thingy. But they loved it. I dare you in the morning to not even talk about you when you when you talk to your spouse. Oh, I didn't sleep good last night. No. How'd you sleep, baby? 
I'm being serious. Narcissism get, takes over the older we get because the more insecure we get about the way we look or the way we, our age is sneaking up. And, and I, we all deal with it. But if you want revival in this church, you want to see an outpouring of God, it can't be about you anymore. I dare you to park the farthest just in case somebody new needs your parking spot. I dare you this Sunday, mess past Paul up. Everybody's sitting in a different place than you normally sit. You don't own that chair. He's going to be like, was so-and-so there? I didn't see it. No, I- I'm being so serious. How many of you know this is a message for the body of Christ in America right now? Some of you are physically going to get healed because the Bible says if you have ought against someone, hurt against someone, leave it at the altar. Go find them and make it right. Now, here's what I want to say to you because it can get weird after this. I'm not going to let weirdness happen. Do not walk up and tell somebody how you've not been their friend or how they hurt you because then all of a sudden they're not going to be your friend no more. And they're going to take on your offense. Just get over it. You know, I think in the church, sometimes we're like, well, let's do what the Bible says. Let's just go, huh? Come on, let me take a friend with me. <laughs> and just get over it. It's not about you. What would happen in this room? I don't care what happened in your last church. I don't. Well, my pastor fell in our last church. Okay. Well, I guess you discovered what it means for somebody to walk in the flesh. But I can't trust... Pastor Paul and Kim because really why do they get judged by something you walk through it is time if you're going to be a church that's going to shake this city to not walk into a room like this but walk into a room no no you'll stay I'm, I'm, I don't know why God told me to share this except to say if you get this there will be an anointing that will fall on this house because he'll be standing in the midst of everything in this room. I dare you, every person in this house, those that are married, before you walk into this house Sunday morning, leave your junk in the car and take hands and say, let's go get some Jesus. Agreement will happen. Here's what I want you to do. Because Jesus really is the best friend I've got. He's my best friend. So shut your eyes. But, but we're not going to shout and scream and uh, no, no, no. Different tonight. God told me to do this. Every eye shut. How many of you can say, Pat, I have been hurt in friendships. Pretty bad. Raise your hand now. Be honest. Okay, so 80%. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you can say, Pat, it's hard for me to trust. Raise your hand. Put it up. Everybody in the house, raise both hands in the air and say, Jesus, be my friend.